Well, good morning and happy Wednesday. It is August 10th. I'm Adam Wright at 7 a.m. That must mean you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven right here on Covenant Network. And it is a wonderful day today. It is the Feast of St. Lawrence. We'll hear more about him later on. But first, before we do anything, let's pause and pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father, amen. O most blessed mother, heart of love, heart of mercy, ever listening, caring, consoling, hear our prayer. As your children, we implore your intercession with Jesus, your son. Receive with understanding and compassion the petitions we place before you today. We are comforted in knowing your heart is ever open to those who ask for your prayer. We trust to your gentle care and intercession those whom we love and who are sick or lonely or hurting. Help all of us, Holy Mother, to bear our burdens in this life until we may share eternal life and peace with God forever. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today we have quite a few things we're going to be covering on the show. We're going to be talking about persisting in joy, even in the midst of suffering. We are going to be talking about spiritual warfare with Doug Berry. We are going to have catechism today. We're going to have a daily dose of encouragement today. We're going to have some other stuff today for you as well. Uh, you know, funny thing happened yesterday that Beth said to me, she, she said, you know, I was trying to do something and I realized we just don't have a good tool for this. And I, we had an okay tool. But it wasn't the tool I needed. It worked, but it wasn't the right tool. And she said, somebody ought to do something about that. Now, this wasn't the kind of thing we were doing something around the house, like I got to go buy a new hammer, although I would love to go to the hardware store and buy a new tool. I was kind of hoping that's where it was going. Like, Adam, here's $100. Go to the hardware store. Have at it, kid. You know, that was not what she was talking about. It was a resource just to do something as a family. And she said, somebody ought to come up with that. And I looked at her and I said, okay, I'll I'll think about that. And then I said, I came up with an idea. We're going to do it. We're going to come up with that tool. And she said, what? And I said, well, listen, you want something. She wanted a recording of something to help her pray in the car. She said, I need this. And and I can't find it out there. I said, all right, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. We've got, you know, being a musician at home, I've got microphones at home. I've got cables at home. I've got computers. I've got all the stuff to record something. I said, why don't we just record what you want, and then you can put it on your phone, and you can take it with you anywhere you want to go. And she said, well, isn't there someone else that can do it? And I said, no, 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 we're going to do it. It's going to be fine. You know, it's one of those questions. Dan Vonderhaar talks about this a lot on the the Friday Roadmap Roundup. Um, You know, when something needs doing, is God necessarily calling you to do it? And that's something we have to discern because there are plenty of needs out there. There are a lot of different needs that 
quite honestly, need to be filled in the world and in life. But that doesn't mean that Adam Wright is called to fill everyone. That doesn't mean that you are called to respond and fill everyone. I mean, imagine all of the different needs just in your local community. Do you even have time to fill all of those local needs? No, probably not. I I certainly do not. I can't be all things to all people, so I need to pick what is it that God is calling me to do. I need to discern that, not necessarily pick. It's not like we're throwing darts at a dartboard or spinning a wheel of fun to say, all right, what am I going to do today? You know, there's the wheel of fun. I should have just spun the wheel instead of trying to make that sound effect for you. No, we have to pray. We have to discern. God, how are you calling me to live my vocation today? And sometimes that means we're going to have to step up to the plate. And when there's a need to be filled, we're not going to have to say, can't someone else do it? We're going to have to say, all right, I'm going to do it. That's how it's going to be. We're going to make this happen. So hopefully I'll have a fun update for you on that sometime in the near future. But in the meantime, you know, that was our prayer last night when we were doing our night prayers before going to bed. Uh, You know, is this something we're called to do? Is this something that we're called to find elsewhere? Lord, what do you want us to do with this? And so I hope you're asking that question today and every day. We are going to be talking to Father James Richardson about joy and suffering in St. Lawrence. But first, let's go to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Lawrence, deacon and martyr. Born in what is now Spain in the early 3rd century, Lawrence crossed paths with a great teacher who would later become Pope Sixtus II. Sixtus, named Lawrence Bishop of Rome, and put him in charge of the church's wealth. Immediately, he began an organized and concerted effort to look after orphans, widows, and the poor. But in the year 258, Roman Emperor Valerian issued an edict condemning all priests and bishops to death for hatred of the human race, and Pope Sixtus was among those beheaded. Valerian, knowing Lawrence controlled all the church finances and property, offered to spare his life if he would hand over the church treasure. Lawrence agreed, asking for three days. Then he gathered the poor and those in need and presented them to Valerian, saying, These are the riches of the church. Incensed, Valerian condemned Lawrence to die by being burned alive on a gridiron, a death to which Lawrence went while joking with his executioners. He was so loved and admired that his brutal martyrdom became a tipping point in the Christian conversion of Rome, and it seems even the heavens took notice. The Perseids meteor shower, which began in mid-July, peaks this week and for centuries has been referred to as the Tears of St. Lawrence. St. Lawrence, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We are back, and Mike Roberts was just telling us about today's Saint, Saint Lawrence. Uh, You may have heard him mention something that Saint Lawrence even quipped with his executioner, and we get that great line that we all love so much from Saint Lawrence as he's being essentially grilled to death. Turn me over. I'm done on this side. We always laugh about it, and that's actually, I think, for us an important thing, to laugh in the midst of suffering because we know we're going to suffer. Here to discuss this whole idea of being cheerful or joyful, even in the midst of suffering, is our good friend Father James Richardson, the unofficial chaplain to the Confraternity of the Minor Annoyance, where we offer up those little sufferings in life for the souls on the cusp of purgatory. But today we're going to talk about some bigger sufferings. Father, it's good to have you with us. Adam, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. 
So this whole idea that we all love, here's St. Lawrence, by the way, patron saint of cooks, deacons, and the poor. You know, he's being roasted literally alive over a bed of coals. And what does he cry out? I'm finished on the side. Turn me over. I don't think, Father, that I'd have the uh, disposition to do that. And yet that's a very important thing for us because we're all going to suffer in this life. We know that. Why is it so important to try and maintain not necessarily an attitude of happiness, but an attitude of joy throughout all of this? Well, I think one of the things is that, and you see this in both those stories of St. Lawrence, is a certain sense of perspective that in some ways the sufferings of this world are too important to be taken seriously. That is, they can serve toward a greater purpose. And if we have our, our eyes set on that and our hearts set on that, that puts the struggle or the suffering of the present day in its perspective. You see that certainly in the witness of the martyrs, especially those who met their sufferings with a certain sort of detachment and lightheartedness about it. And I think the other part of that witness of martyrdom, certainly there's a part of this, when we hear a story like this of martyrs who met tremendous and unimaginable sufferings, particularly in their trials, with that apparent lack of physical response to their sufferings, whether it's, you know, somebody like St. Lawrence uh, being grilled to death or burned, or someone burned at the stake, or, or you know, we think of all of the uh, really tremendous things that were done to them that the martyrs suffered, and it doesn't seem to phase them. Part of that, I, I do believe, is, is an extraordinary grace that God gives, that it's more than simply human strength. But part of it is that trained perspective and detachment that I'm not looking for the full measure of my satisfaction and joy here. If life should give me some part of that, I'm thankful for it. If it should come to me in, in the course of living a life following the Lord, thanks be to God. But that this is not the full thing of it. Uh, this isn't where my satisfaction ultimately is settled and set. What does the psalmist say? For one day within your house is better than a thousand elsewhere. That to be content in the Lord and to be at peace, that I stand with the author of all creation, I stand with the author of my own redemption, gives the martyr that disposition and detachment that, you know, certainly did St. Lawrence suffer. Did it hurt? I'm pretty confident it did. And yet he had that perspective and that detachment to, to see beyond the pain of the moment to the blessing of, this pain has come to me because I'm standing with the Almighty. It's come to me because I'm bearing witness to him. And not just that will bring its reward, but that is its own reward. And I think that brings with it a, a lightness of heart that part of what gives such an extraordinary witness to the, uh, the lives of the martyrs. It makes me think of that scene at the end of A Man for All Seasons when St. Thomas More is about to be executed, and he essentially tells the executioner, you know, I harbor no ill will towards you or animus for you send me to God. And uh, Cromwell says, are you certain of that? And St. Thomas essentially says, Yes, as if beheading really isn't the worst thing that could happen to him. It would be the loss of heaven that would be the worst thing that could happen to him. And, you know, Father, I, I kind of feel the same way. Not that I'm looking to leave my family and friends anytime soon, and I certainly would uh, grieve the loss of my wife or any of my children if the Lord were to call them home. But I pray that if that were to happen, that, that I would go to heaven or that they would go to heaven, and I would rejoice with the hope and, and the confidence that especially if one of my children were to be taken from me, that they would hopefully be dying in that state of grace 
and going to heaven. And as much as I would miss them, as we all say, we hope that they're in a better place. I'm not going to say it definitively because I do not have the power to canonize saints. That is not within my authority. Uh, But I, I like what you say, that this is all about perspective. So I think I want to end with this question. How do we keep that perspective then day to day? I mean, obviously the witness of the martyrs, but where can we find that perspective in our daily lives? At the root of that is an integrity. I'm not one person at one point and another at another time, or I don't. I have one set of principles at my job, and I have another set of principles at home, and I have another set of principles on the athletic field or whatever it is. That there's you know that integrity of life that that ingrains this this habit of I am who I am, and that that integrity is rooted in I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I think that habit in lesser things, nourishes the ability then to face greater trials. And, yeah, that, that integrity, that, that rootedness in the Lord, and come what may, here's where I stand. And there's a difference between that, certainly, and, and stubbornness, and so that maybe the other part of this is, is a humility. I think we all want to say, well, I don't deserve this suffering. Or where we look at, we read the stories of the martyrs, and we go, we see the injustice of, of their, their trials or their, their sufferings. That humility of even this, in a certain sense, is that the grace of God has promised me in this, and that the Lord has, has promised for those who follow him life, and, and it's more than I deserve to have a, um, a humble integrity, maybe is, is the best way I would describe it, and exercising that in the daily ins and outs of life. I forget what this, the Cistercians of the Carthusians you have the, the, the expression, the, the cross stands as the world moves. Let the world churn about me as it will, and certainly be prudent about how I move within the world. But the first thing is, I stand with the Lord, and have that peace in that. And if I, if I do that in the small things, with the daily events of life that want me to compromise to be more comfortable or to avoid suffering or uh, uh, avoid contradictions of this life. Not that we go looking for trouble, but that's not my barometer. That's not my my gauge of how I move. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, Father, I want to thank you for these insights today, and uh, it certainly gives me some hope as as you said, as we move through the churning of the world, if we stand by the cross, we know we're in a good place. Not necessarily always a pleasant place, but a good place. That joy of faith is, is something much deeper than uh, the giddiness of the moment or uh, uh, just a good chuckle. Yeah. Uh, Father, could I ask you to conclude our time together with a prayer? Oh, certainly. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, by your deacon Lawrence, you have given witness to the eternal life that promised us in Christ Jesus. Help us through his intercession and example to lead an integrity of life and to ever be your faithful disciples and servants so that we may rejoice in eternal life through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. May the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, Father James Richardson, I want to thank you for being with us on the show today. It's always good to have you. Uh, Don't forget to fire up the grill today, and maybe instead of a deacon, just stick to hot dogs, hamburgers, bratwursts, or some other fare. Uh, Let's leave the deacons alone today. They're good men. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. God bless. 
Are you enjoying this episode of Roadmap to Heaven? Are you saying to yourself, I wish I could listen to this again? Well, good news, you can. Just go to your favorite podcast app and search Roadmap to Heaven by Covenant Network to find this episode and more. And for even more great Catholic content, be sure to visit www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R-Catholicradio.org and click on the Programs tab for some great shows. And now back to Roadmap to Heaven. We are back, and uh, we do have a catequiz question for you today. So for our catequiz, let's give the wheel a spin. Find out which one of these we're going to be talking about today. We're going to go with, it looks like, hmm, question number three here. Question number three actually relates to something we were just talking about, and it's about purgatory. And the question is this. Do your prayers for the souls in purgatory actually make a difference for them? as they seek to move from purgatory to heaven. Do your prayers for the souls in purgatory actually make a difference for them as they strive to move from purgatory to heaven? The answer to that, of course, is yes. Now, uh, lest Father James and I make light of it with our our, uh, fun little confraternity for the minor annoyance, the whole point of that is actually just a, a good reminder for us that that stub toe, that paper cut, all of those little things are also opportunities. So often we think of the big opportunities to offer suffering. You know, I just had that wisdom tooth removed. I just had surgery on this. Um, I just got uh, clocked in the leg by a softball in my, my softball game the other night. That's happened to me before. That, that's not pleasant. You know, we, we think of those bigger sufferings, but let's not forget the little sufferings because every little suffering we offer prayerfully, every little sacrifice we offer prayerfully for the souls in purgatory makes a difference. Now, let's just be clear about purgatory. The Catechism states in paragraph 1030, all who die in God's grace and friendship but still imperfectly purified are indeed assured of their eternal salvation, but after death they undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. This is somewhat of a crude analogy, but I was thinking about my work boots, and the other day I was doing something in my work boots, and they got all messy. Now, they're still really good work boots. They're they're boots that I should keep, but they need to be cleaned off before they can come into the house. I'm not just going to cast them into the dumpster of eternity. No, I'm going to clean them up and then bring them into the house. And our souls are like that. You know, we are still, we may die, and, well, we are going to die. If we die in that state of grace, are we going to go to heaven? Yes. But does that mean we're ready to go straight into heaven? Well, maybe not. Our souls might need to be cleaned up before we can go inside. So that's purgatory. Uh, This teaching is also based on the practice of prayer for the dead mentioned in the sacred scripture. Therefore, Judas Maccabeus made atonement for the dead that they might be delivered from their sin. From the beginning, the church has honored the memory of the dead and offered prayers in suffrage for them, above all the Eucharistic sacrifice, so that, thus purified, they may attain the beatific vision of God. The church also commends almsgiving, indulgences, and works of penance undertaken on behalf of the dead. Three quotes for you here on the importance of this. Let us help and commemorate them. If Job's sons were purified by their father's sacrifice, why would we doubt that our offerings for the dead bring them some consolation? Let us not hesitate to help those who have died and to offer our prayers for them. That's St. John Chrysostom. 
St. John Vianney. If it were but known how great is the power of the good souls in purgatory with the heart of God, and if we knew all the graces we can obtain through their intercession, they would not be so much forgotten. We must therefore pray for much for them that they may be pray much for us. And then finally, uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori, I'm not going to have time for the whole quote, but think of the power a soul released from purgatory into heaven because of your suffrage and intercession, surely they're going to go to God and say, look with favor upon that person who prayed for me. That's St. Alphonsus Liguori. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Roadmap to Heaven in just a few moments. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. This week we've been talking about spiritual warfare with Doug Barry. And just to give you the quick recap, that number one, spiritual warfare is a reality. The devil and his minions are, as we said yesterday, probably hiding behind every other tree looking for ways to get at us. The second component of that is don't over-spiritualize everything. Don't attribute everything that could be rationally explained to spiritual warfare. But don't under-spiritualize it. Don't, don't over-rationalize and say, well, I can explain all of this. It's obviously not spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Doug, this sounds pretty exhausting. Is this like a one-and-done thing? I just have to get through one attack in my life, and then once I've proven I can get through the attack, I'm done for the rest of my life? You know, I, it's a great question, and I think a good analogy would be imagine you're on a battlefield and you know you're dealing with a combat situation and you know bullets are flying at you and you're dealing with the bad guys here and there and you get through that skirmish and you win that victory but the war is not over you will continue to find yourself in more conflict as you move through this battlefield so no spiritually speaking until we breathe our last the demons are going to be after us. Thus, the Hail Mary states, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Why would we be asking Our Lady to pray for us at the hour of our death if we weren't going to be under attack even at the hour of our death? You know, we hear from the saints and other spiritual leaders that the devil knows if he can't get a hold of you while you're alive, he'll really intensify it at the moment of your death. With this reality that we are given by God, that this battle goes on to the moment we die, we have to understand that passage in Scripture that says those who persevere to the end will find salvation, not those who solve the problem halfway through life and then they're done, not those who figure it all out and then it's over with. It's until the end. Persevere to the end. St. Paul talks about driving and disciplining himself, beating his body, driving it until then, knowing that after bringing so many to Christ, he might lose out in the end. So there is this very clear reality that comes at us that says until you breathe your last, you're in this fight. And you can't take it lightly. Now, what does that mean for us? And again, I'll break it down in coming days as to how we engage in this battle more effectively and efficiently. But I would always say, even when I'm teaching self-defense or church security for people, I say, you have to have an attitude that says, I'm in this fight until the end. I'm not done. So bad guy kicks in the door in the church, maybe, and the church is feeling threatened, and the good guys are stepping up, and they're engaging, and they think they've subdued the threat. Well, the head still needs to be on the swivel looking left and right, because you don't know if another bad guy's coming in another door. And even if this event is over, next week, next month, another year from now, something else could happen. So no matter where we are spiritually speaking, anybody married longer than a week knows this. 
All right, you have those moments of irritation and you know, the, the demons can get in there and they can mess with those moments, all right? That's gonna happen again and again and again and again. You're gonna be married five years, 10 years, 50 years. The devil will still go after you. You need to have that attitude, attitude of perseverance. I do not quit. I sign off a lot of my emails and a lot of my videos. I will say, never lay your sword down on the battlefield and walk away. There is far, far too much at stake. And I mean that we must never lay our sword down on the battlefield and walk away. There is too much at stake. So persevere, determination, stick to develop that drive in you and never, ever lay your sword down and walk away. You know, Doug, it's a real sobering thought to think that I could do a bunch of great things devoted to God in my life. And then in the last moments of my life, still have an opportunity where I would reject him and lose heaven because I would choose something else over him. Also, a great hope that no matter how much I screw up in my life, if I die in that state of grace, all those screw-ups, they don't matter if I die in a state right. of grace. But I'll tell you what, when you talk about attitude and, and discipline, if I'm living my whole life as if that last, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll get to it on the last day. I'll get to it on the day of my death. That's yeah, yeah, when I'll yeah. worry about it. Yeah. I'm probably not setting myself up for success in that. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty bad attitude. That, that's like a, we're getting ready for the big game and we're going to start really putting some time into practice and training later. We'll do it later. No, the game is is in a month. Yeah, but that means I got four weeks. We'll we'll do it in, in two weeks or three. No, it's got to start now. There's an old saying that the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The next best time is today. Right. So change the attitude, develop the discipline, develop that persevering sort of spirit that says, I am a fighter and I'm not going to lay down in the middle of this battle because there is far too much at stake. All right. Well, Doug, tomorrow we're going to talk about how to engage in that battle, what our role is in all of this. And uh, until then, have a great day. Thanks. You too, Adam. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. We are halfway through a week learning lessons that Patty wishes she could share with teens and college students as they head off to school this fall. So, Patty, what is our daily dose of encouragement today? Well, today I want to talk about when you have an important decision to make. And the advice is very simple. Seek wise counsel. And I can't stress this enough. When you have an important decision to make, maybe it's about your future, maybe it's about your classes, schedule, could be anything at all. Go talk to someone who knows you very, very well. Maybe not just your peers, but your parents know you best. Your family knows you well. Sometimes it's not out of the question to make an appointment and go speak to a priest about something if you have an important decision, especially if you're discerning your vocation. But don't make a rash decision that you'll regret for the rest of your life by giving in to peer pressure or giving in to fear. There are people in your life who want to help you that know you well. And I think of a friend of mine whose daughter, very wise young woman, she had met this young man and they had only gone out on one date and he lived in another city. But she said, no, you need to come here because I want you to meet my parents. And then she told her parents, 
Please tell me if you see any red flags, if there's anything about him that you don't, you know, think would not be good. She said, because I want to know what you think. And if there's something about this person or this relationship or myself with this person that you see isn't good, let me know because I don't want to waste my time. So she was seeking her parents' advice from the very, very beginning before entering into more of a committed relationship with someone. And she wanted to pursue marriage and she wanted her parents' advice right from the get-go. So I thought that was beautiful, actually. So young people, do seek the advice of your parents. Believe it or not, they know you better than anyone else. Or seek the advice of a priest or someone that's known you for a very long time. And that could save you from making some decisions that you might regret for the rest of your life. Patty, I think that's a great encouragement for us to go seek the counsel of someone who knows us and can offer us that insight into ourselves sometimes when we might not see it ourselves. So I want to thank you for this daily dose of encouragement. Well, as we wrap up today, I just have a few final thoughts for you. Number one, if you are going to grill today, number one tip I have for anybody that's going to grill today, aside from don't grill a deacon, we're, we're, we're not the ones creating martyrs here. We're the ones that should be ready to be martyred. Um, it, the biggest game changer for me was always to get things out of the fridge about 30 to 45 minutes before I put them on the grill. I get more even cooking, and it gives time for the seasonings to do their thing. So that's that. But on to more important things here. I want to go back to the St. Alphonsus Liguori quote that I didn't get to finish during the catechism because I think it is really important for us. St. Alphonsus Liguori said, and this is about assisting the souls in purgatory with our prayers and with our sufferings. By assisting them, we shall not only give great pleasure to God, but will acquire also great merit for ourselves. And in return for our suffrages, these blessed souls will not neglect to obtain for us many graces from God, but particularly the grace of eternal life. I hold for certain that a soul delivered from purgatory by the suffrages of a Christian, when she enters paradise, will not fail to say to God, Lord, do not suffer to be lost that person who has liberated me from the prison of purgatory and has brought me to the enjoyment of thy glory sooner than I have deserved. It's a, it's a remarkable thing. You know, we selflessly, or at least we should selflessly, be offering our prayers for the souls in purgatory. We shouldn't be doing it with the idea of, oh, well, St. Alphonsus Liguori said this, so I'm going to do it just as a contractual thing. Like, I'll pray for you so that you're going to pray for me. That shouldn't be our motivation, but it's also... A great grace, and it's one of those wonderful things. So let's motivate ourselves not to think about the reward, the potential reward, right? Let's think about the good work that can be done, praying for the souls in purgatory. And in this life, too, you know, as we talk about the fruits we're going to bear in this life, well, are we doing it for some reward? Now, to do it for the hope of heaven, that is a reward. By all means, do it for the hope of that reward. But are we doing it for, for praise here on earth? Oh, Adam, you're, you're such a swell guy. Look at those great works you just did. Ah, Brian, you're such a swell guy. Look at all those wonderful things you just did. Ah, Jane, look at all those wonderful things you did. We're going to give you the key to the city. We're going to give you the award. We're going to give you the, the scholarship. We're going to give you the prestigious this or that. That should not be our motivation. We should be motivated to do good because we are called to do good so that we may enter the kingdom of of heaven. It's the Beatitudes, it's the corporal works of mercy, it's the spiritual works of mercy, 
It's a life attached to the sacraments. It's praying that rosary each and every day. And by the way, another opportunity. That is another opportunity to pray for the souls in purgatory. Offer your daily rosary for them. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things we said earlier in the uh, catechism as well that, uh, where was it? This teaching also, uh, it's not that one. I'm not going to search for it here. I'm not going to waste your time. But it made me think about offering masses for the dead. Oh, yeah. From the beginning, the church has honored the memory of the dead and offered prayers and suffrage for them above all the Eucharistic sacrifice. Well, I can't celebrate the mass. You, Unless you're a priest, you can't celebrate the mass. But we can go to the parish and ask for mass to be said for that person. It's as simple as calling up the parish office and saying, could I ask to schedule a mass intention for Father? And... The parish office will walk you through the whole thing. It's very easy to do, and what a great thing to do for those who have died. So today, when you go out there to live that life of holiness, which I know you're going to do because you want to go to heaven, do things for good. Do things for the poor souls in purgatory. Do things for those we know here on earth. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank Father James Richardson for being with us today, and as always, Doug Berry and Patty Schneier for their daily contributions here on the show. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.